Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Only Podcast, a regular season episode of The Only Podcast. Uh, my name is Austin Smith, your co-host, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Wednesday, August 31st. And John, you can tell I'm excited by the fact that I screwed the intro up that I've only done like several hundred times. I think you actually did it right for the first time today. Maybe that's, <laughs> that's what this, this feels like. All all of my other intros have led up to this this moment in my <laughs> life of doing this one wrong and somehow exactly right at the same time. Um, but hey, man, it's uh, I'm sad to say in some ways that our hiatus is uh, is over. So unfortunately, for those of you who have chosen to listen to this, you know you. We're going to be here a lot more often now. Um, but, John, it. it's the regular season, baby. We've made it. And, uh, yeah, and guess what we picked up along the way? Mm-hmm. Another kicker, another transfer. This time, mm-hmm. a former walk-on from Auburn, Ben Patton. Sure. Why not? Right? You can never have enough specialists as a Big Ten team, as, as uh, the old adage goes. Amen. I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. <laughs> um, what we know about Ben Patton is is minimal. I think he made like five of six kicks last year, but one that he did make was a 49-yarder uh, in overtime mm. against none other than Alabama. Um, John, you may have heard of them or seen them in your nightmares. Uh, I know I have. Um, so I think that says to me that he's not going to be phased by big boy football. And, uh, yeah, he has a, a set of balls on him. <laughs> I'll be surprised <laughs> who, who comes out. And, I mean, like, you all of a sudden got a kicking controversy, baby. That's, a, that's okay. I don't care. Um, the other thing to consider, you know, they said we have a kicker transfer for me as a MSU fan, a Big Ten fan, my question was, what other position do you play? Because on this team, you're a kicker, a punter, and maybe a tight end, you know, maybe maybe a safety. You got to play multiple positions here, buddy. The same to SEC. Yeah. Bring more to the table. Mm-hmm. I want to see those hands. The feet are nice, but I need the hands. <laughs> Can you block? Yeah. Otherwise, we may have to reconsider our vow. It also makes me think: what's Jack, what can Jack Stone bring to the table that maybe uh, could could separate him in in this race? Aside from his, you know, the this is a kind of a funny like thing to think of is like Stone is literally a literally a six star uh, mm-hmm. kicker, 
and he's now competing against the former walk-on. Uh, that's that feels like a very like old school Michigan State thing to oh. happen, like a very Mark D'Antonio era controversy. Um, I will say though, uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, you know there's there's two adages that kind of come to mind. First, that kind of scares me a little bit is um, if you have two <laughs> of something, do you really have one? It scares me that they needed to go get a kicker with like a week before the season. Um, but I think the way I'm actually choosing to look at this is we do not now have to rely on a true freshman kicker kind of like no matter what. Sure. <laughs> like at least we have a guy who's, you know, he, whether the confidence is fully deserved or not, he's made a huge kick and probably has some decent level of confidence in his ability. So, hey uh we'll 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 take it but i think uh, listen unless something goes spectacularly wrong or they come in immensely clutch i think we may have already over indexed on our uh kicker talk for the Mm. remainder of of this season i hope not i hope (laughs) (laughs) no notice i said kicker not punter because i've got yeah yeah right have you ever listened to this show before (laughs) no got a long (laughs) way to go buddy so tell me, as we transition to the 2022 season preview, which we let's give a little taste of what we're going to try and do here in the next hour plus. We're going to walk through a game by game preview. We're going to go through um, Big Ten predictions uh, and then go through the old cadence, get our get our uh, stretch and you know get back into the routine to go over the notable national results of the last week, Big Ten results and the upcoming big games. Jeez, and then we have to prep for the Western game. We got to jump right in. So yeah, we 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 got to get moving here, John. Okay, so we open up. So the over under on the on the season is seven and a half wins, and uh, widely p- picked to finish fourth place in the Big Ten East. Um, what do you got here? I mean, like seven and a half. That number looks out the gate. People are saying that feels low, but at the same time, I've heard Vegas doesn't lose money. So hmm. what are we doing here? How do we feel about seven and a half? So it's possible Vegas. Well, first of all, it's a great number. Like as a as a handicapper, I think um, as a handicapper myself, I am absolutely not that. Uh, <laughs> but but I think it's a it's a it's an interesting number for you know kind of a variety of reasons. First of all, I think it tests your uh, willingness to believe in. Do you believe in Mel Tucker or not? Because if you believe in what you saw, basically, which year of his are you willing to subscribe to? Mm-hmm. Because two years ago, you know, this team went two and five uh, and didn't look particularly good at any point, aside from Ricky White uh, single-handedly dismantling Michigan. More on him later. He had a little resurgence in the last uh, few days. Ball, but Balled out. Uh, balled sure. out, as he always does. Um, but anyways... It, if you think of that year, you're probably like, yeah, seven and a half, seven and a half seems uh, high. But if you look at last year, probably feels low. I mean, this team won, you know, 11 games, only lost to, you know, lost lost twice, once to a, a juggernaut in Ohio State, the other time a bad loss against Purdue. So it's which one of these do you consider to be the aberration? Or is it somewhere in the middle? I, I personally think, um, and I'm, you know, maybe a little bit more of an optimist, I think Michigan State should be expected to hit the over. And quite honestly, as fans, if they don't, pending some large injury, we should be pretty disappointed if they don't. 
you've heard this kind of said throughout the course of the off season, probably on this show that it's, this is probably a better team, but potentially with a worse record. I'm not personally willing to just hand the record away. I don't think there's any reason Michigan state can't win those games. They're going to need some breaks to go their way to get back to where they were a year ago. But in all likelihood, they probably settle in maybe a win, maybe two less than that. Again, a a lot of factors um, at play as the football season goes on. The one thing I'll say for this year is it's a tough schedule. Uh, You know, your non-con road game, just like last year at at Miami, uh, you're going a long ways and playing a good team. This year, headed to Washington, uh, MSU adds um, Minnesota and Wisconsin from the the west so you end up playing what'll probably be two of the three best teams in that division uh and then obviously you have to travel to michigan and penn state and it doesn't really matter where you play ohio state they're going to be extremely good so you know there are five games on that schedule that are against probably more talented teams top to bottom washington despite what you might think of them as a loaded roster again ohio state is what they are michigan obviously very good wisconsin probably the most comparable to msu's uh and then penn state you know they're they're in a lot of these teams they're all returning. actually i think a few of these are returning good quarterbacks as well so it's uh seven and a half is a good number i personally think that they should win at least eight because i look at the rest of that schedule and I don't see games that they should lose. That doesn't mean they won't, but I go, let's just go through them. Western Michigan, Akron, uh, at Maryland, at Illinois, Rutgers and Indiana at home. It, if we are what we think we are, uh, to, to quote Denny Green, um, then they should win those games. And if you win those games, that's seven right off the bat. And you just have to win one of those other five in order to hit the over. And I personally think that that is far from a huge ask. So um, long-winded answer, but I think seven and a half is a good number, but I'm pretty confident in the over. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Maybe sometimes the best way to look at um, over-unders is to just compare teams from from your program. And I guess my first question to you is, do you feel like this Mel Tucker's third season, do you feel like his team, this roster is the first, second or third in level of talent on the roster? Uh, I would say first. I I would say actually like kind of clearly first. You know, the irony, um, you know, everybody looks at last year and thinks, oh, man, Mel, the, the master of the transfer portal. He got Jared Horst. He got Kenneth Walker. He got Quiveris Crouch. If you go through the, and I suggest you do, if you find things like this fun, like I do, uh, if you go through the 24-7 college transfer or like the the, the transfer portal um, and look at the, the grades that they give transfers year over year. So as everybody knows, they give every you know player a four-digit grade um, that's a composite of several different recruiting services initially when they come out of high school. And then if they enter the transfer portal and end up somewhere else, they regrade them. So they can go up, down, pretty much the same, whatever. Um, If you look at the grades that the MSU players had last year, not many of them were particularly high. It's kind of crazy. I think uh, Kenneth Walker was like a 0.84, which is kind of like a low three-star. Jared Horst was a 0.83. I mean, these are, you know, not high grades for players that ended up being extremely impactful. 
if you go through Michigan State's the, the, the kids that they added this year, uh, we're talking about, I believe it's Chris Bogle has like a nine. Jacoby Winman's a 0.89. Broussard and Berger, I think, are both 0.89s. The level of, of the caliber of, at least according to this recruiting service, player that they got in this year's portal class is significantly better than last year's. Now, will there be a Kenneth Walker? We don't know. But the depth should be noticeably more. And on top of that, Michigan State just brought in one of the best recruiting classes they've had in quite some time. So I think those two things kind of converging together, plus all the returning talent, tells me that this team, at least on paper, should be the most talented of the three. I think clearly more than the one that he came in and inherited. And I think it should be a step up over last year's. Um, so, yeah, I would uh, I would actually say I think it's pretty clearly the the most talented team he's had. <laughs> that being said, I won't be surprised if it's the third least talented team he ends up having all time. Mm-hmm. I like that. So <clears throat> as I talked about just a moment ago, comparing uh, seasons and programs, think about the 2019 MSU team that went seven and six. Now, MSU has almost the exact same schedule as that yeah. team. Uh, the differences are Tulsa for Akron, um, just a little bit of a trade-off, Arizona State for Washington, and Northwestern for Minnesota. Other than that, they're the exact same opponents. Now, they're at diff- these programs are at different you know, places, but for the most part, Ohio State was a top, you know, a, a top uh, four, you know, top team. Wisconsin was a top 10 team. Penn State was a top 10 team. Michigan was a top 15 team. So I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is, do you feel like this team, going against a near similar schedule is better than that seven and six, 2019 team. I think clearly significantly better. So, so for me, you know, obviously it's not exactly apples to apples, but it's within a near enough time. And I think it's a fair barometer to start with. And, you know, then we can get into the nuances, but of the schedule, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's pretty similar. And I think we both agree that this team is going to have more NFL uh, talent than that team and is more top end talent than that team, you know, high end athlete talent. And I think that, and frankly, more depth. So um, I think that makes my case for it to be a, an over on seven and a half. Yeah. I think, I think your logic is extremely sound and I don't even think it's, you know, it's beyond just like, Oh, talent period. It's where the talent is. I mean, the, especially in that defensive front seven, you know, you had, we talked about it so many times recently, but like you had issues there a lot last year and in the secondary, and you went out and kind of directly addressed those things. And if this defense, I, I don't expect a huge drop off in the offense personally, you know, if we get into the position groups a little bit, I, you know, uh, or sides of the ball, I should say, I don't foresee this drastic drop now again you can logically expect somewhat of a step to be taken back when you don't have kenneth walker back there but at the same point in time you didn't have him at 100 percent down the stretch of last year and you still won a lot of games including beating penn state um i think he was kind of like mostly back for that game but you know still not the, the guy that you saw the home run hitter at the beginning of the season and you added depth in multiple places to replace him i think the offense is you know uh largely unchanged Maybe a maybe a half step back. Um, defensively, though, if this team can just go from we've talked about it with offenses in the past, not god awful at pass defense to literally just bad, they just have to be bad. <laughs> then you're talking about a drastic step forward 
and overall just like team ability and execution. So um, it's like my dream review, as, you know, be, my boss would be like, we just need you to be not awful. Like, that's it. <laughs> like can you step just up? be bad? Just step up to being bad. You're like, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that seems like I could be bad. Yeah, I could, I could step my game up to bad. Um, and a quick caveat that that 2019 team did win six games. They were six and six. Um, the Vegas lines are for uh, regular season wins. So I guess the question would be, do you feel like this MSU team is two wins better than that? That becomes a more interesting question, I think. Yeah, I still say yes. Yeah. Um, I still say kind of like comfortably yes. And honestly, beyond all the things that, you know, just the the talent, I I trust the coaching. Uh, you know, you know, questions to be answered defensively, um, like I said, with the improvements, especially in the secondary, but you, know, you didn't have what you assumed to be a, like, a, a consistent and reliable offense. I think you had enough of a, you know, explosion factor, but you had some good wide receivers. And I believe that was, that was a Lewerke season. So uh-huh. like, you know, you had something. But make the comparison, Brian Lewerke and Peyton Thorne. Yep. God love Lewerke. He had some great years. I, I think I'm getting a more, uh, you know, call it professional quarterback in Peyton Thorne and a guy who's now in his second year with an offensive coordinator who has done some very creative things and used some pieces uh, in ways that should give you hope for, for all the new faces you're going to see. So I, I think it, it comes down to that as well. So. And just momentum, like this team believes in itself. They've, we've got like a, you know, just a, a vibe around the program right now that's hard not to, you know, believe in. So there's a, there's a lot of things that that would make me draw, uh, you know, positive comparison to yeah. to that team. I think we're 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 heading in the right direction. I think as to recap, we we both heavily agree that if this team to continue the, any type of upward momentum momentum that makes this this program a national championship contender because again what's the point if you're not trying to get to that uh then eight wins is the minimum and you know they have a really uh a schedule that that allows for for that to be right on the table and more so i think you got to feel good about that yeah and i don't think again i i i would caution against giving up on um you know more than, than eight wins that should be that should be the expectation yep. but if you get eight wins then one of two things happen you either lost all of your games to good teams right like you you, you probably lost to ohio state michigan penn state and either wisconsin or washington you know your pick so really you walk out of the year feeling really only great about one win um so either that happened or you beat some good teams and then lost games you shouldn't have lost. Because right. again, if you, if you may say you beat Michigan and you beat Penn State, then that means you probably lost to Washington, lost to Wisconsin, lost to Ohio State, and lost some other stupid game along the way, um, which is entirely possible. But that again, if it's eight wins, that one of those two things in all likelihood, uh, no, actually, like one of those two things definitely happened. So um, I'm. I don't think it's crazy to think that they don't drop winnable games this year and that maybe they beat a good team or two. I mean, we literally saw it happen uh, last year in a lot of ways. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be fascinating, but um, 
yeah, I, I would say don't abandon hope on something more than than eight wins, but that should be the expectation. Yeah, I think that's where you start, right? If, if, yep. if for, for us to continue to believing there is a ceiling to to break through, and and that's that's kind of the the minimum expectation. Um, I want to address one quick thing because I think this is a huge factor, and we you know less X's and O's and more um, in-game management. I think one thing that happens, and I've heard just over and over across um, a lot of preview uh, for the Big Ten and Michigan State in general, is this this um, overemphasis on the fact that if you win a bunch of close games one year, then you're due to you know, regress to the mean or or become uh, lose those games the next year. And that's not how math works. One, but but two, you know, those losses could, if you truly do believe that then you believe that maybe um, in-game coaching is is more luck than than skill. And that there is a lot of luck, I believe, involved. Don't get me wrong. You have 18 to 22-year-olds who are frankly not that great at the sport playing. So there is a lot of – that's why we love college football. But I think the other piece is controlling that chaos and not letting um, dumb things happen. And I just want to point out, you know, gate, from game one – where Mel Tucker's game versus Rutgers, seven turnovers, to beating to game 20, beating Pitt without your best player. I think that, you know, to win the Peach Bowl, that's a that's a huge jump. And in between there are a bunch of close wins. You know, Michigan State, I believe, went four and zero last year in one possession win games, five and zero if you extend back to the to the 2020 you know, shortened season, you know, is Mel Tucker all, is that all luck or, or can you watch in a game like Nebraska Northwestern and say, is Scott Frost unlucky or just bad at this? Right. And, and I think it's okay to say some people are good at things and some people are bad at things. And maybe we need more data, but it looks like Mel Tucker might be good at this, you know, (laughs) and, and, and that's, I mean, I don't know. I think that's something to consider because I'm just, you know, certainly MSU could lose every one score game this season, and, and I could be wrong. But I, I, th- I have a hard time believing you can go from game one to game 20, like I just said, and not have a little bit of, um, you know, have picked up a few things along the way and it wasn't all luck. You know, there's there's skill involved. Yeah, I think there's another part to it where it's, oh, they're not going to be as good in one score games. What if they've gotten so much better that they're not in as many one score games? Like that, you know what I mean? That's another part yeah. of this that yeah. that's kind of on the table. Like, yeah. can, because the thing I keep the common refrain with people and they taught when you hear them talk about Michigan State this year. And listen, there's a level of truth to it. It's you lost your best offensive player and we don't believe that you can hit home runs in the portal for the second straight year. I, I don't really take issue with those being like kind of, you know, valid to a degree um, concerns. But I think it it, it kind of uh, glosses over the fact that you're bringing back what should be one of the best receivers in your conference, a guy with three, you know, over a thousand yards last year um, and I think 10 plus touchdowns, you're bringing back a quarterback who set all sorts of records at Michigan State. You've improved your areas of weakness. And a lot of people harp on that offensive line. Again, I'm sure they're all great guys. Uh, 
the names that were lost are not stars. So yeah, there's new faces, but sometimes new is really good. So, um, you know, I, I, I think maybe us that are, that follow the team, you know, we're, we're undoubtedly a little bit biased, but I think we just kind of like understand that a lot of the points that people bring up about why this team should take a step back are potentially a little bit short-sighted and uh, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, just what kind of impact those things have on uh, the season as we get started here. Absolutely. So let's talk about the rest of the conference here, you know, in, 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 I don't want to give predictions because I feel like everyone does that. So I think we decided to do hit you guys with a goodness matrix. Yeah, for the people. And if you're unfamiliar with the goodness matrix, um, one thing to know about Austin and me is we don't believe that there are, frankly, very many good teams. In fact, nope. maybe only right now. Actually, here's a put you on the spot question. How many good teams are in uh, college football right now, Austin? You know, I'm willing to say I've been thinking about this question. Um, I'm going to say three, which feels high, mm. but I'm I'm comfortable going to three at this point in time. And if you'd like, I, I am happy to name them. Yeah, let's hear them. So number one, obviously, Alabama. Alabama is in another stratosphere of talent than anybody else. So I guess if the definition of good is Alabama as the standard, then no one else is good. Right. But I think there are two other teams that are not far. They, they are certainly in a different tier, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's not 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 a it's not another world like it has been in years past. And those two teams are Ohio State. Bit of a spoiler for our bracket here, um, our matrix. Sorry, Ohio State's not that far. People are going to hate to hear that, but it's just the truth. Uh, and then Georgia, you're reigning national champions. Um, I think those three teams are all very, very viable national championship candidates. My pick is not, you know, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to blow any minds here when I say that I think Alabama could, could, should, and will win another national championship. But um, it wouldn't be far from a shock to see Georgia or Ohio State uh, take that take that crown by the end of the year. So I, I'll give you three good teams this year with a chance for more and definitely the chance for less. Absolutely. Yeah. Three good teams of 131 this year. New, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's 131 teams, Austin. There's a new team. Hmm. James Madison is now uh, an FBS. Oof. So now you know that. They so, should have to play Bama. <laughs> see, that, that's not going to make anyone want to jump also <laughs> extremely mean of me to say, but um, that's how I feel. That's like sacrificing lambs like you're you're gonna hurt people when you do that (laughs) yeah like actual injuries yeah um so with the matrix there are new categories every time and it doesn't necessarily in any order so let's just start with would you want to start at the top or the bottom start at the bottom bottom's always more fun okay so this tier i named it would be unsafe to play alabama and i feel really uncomfortable with indiana right now And I do not know how they fell off so hard after, you know, what was their best season. But then when you think about it, their best season, like in, I don't know how many decades, they only won like nine games. That's not good. Like, I'm sorry, that's objectively not good. (laughs) So maybe it is not a big shock that they are so bad so fast. I don't know. 
It's surprising because you felt like they had like legitimate, like uh, you, you felt like they might have a, a little like mini run in them, you know, like a little two or three year span of relevance. They won eight games. I'm sorry, eight and five. Yeah. And we got a yeah. little too worked up as an entire college football community. I have to tell you. Oh, oh. sorry, John. Popularity. Um, no, I would agree, and, and and it's gotten ugly quick. I think it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting team this year for like you know uh, because you just don't really know what to expect. I mean, I I believe they actually got a really interesting quarterback transfer in Connor Bazalak, which I mean, a lot of people, myself included, will be calling him Connor Ballsack pretty much the entire year. So I think we should all prepare for that. Um, kid from Mizzou. Quickly. It's an Indiana quarterback tradition. Michael Phoenix. It's just it's the way it is. Phoenix to, from Phoenix to Balsack, the natural evolution. Um, so they also went pretty hard in the transfer portal. Got two running backs, two wide receivers, an offensive lineman, three DBs, three DLs. I mean, they they went they went pretty hard. So they're hoping that they can you know kind of catch lightning in a bottle. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, you got a Mizzou quarterback. If they're playing Bama, that doesn't do you, that doesn't like gain you points for my faith uh, in your ability to play Alabama. So yes, I believe it would be very dangerous. And I think they have a, there's a shot they're the worst team in the Big Ten this year. I think they're in, they're in the bottom conversation. There's no doubt. Well, yeah, talent wise, you know, it's just can, I think we were all just feeling like Tom Allen was really coaching them up and, you know, I don't know, he's kind of, I don't want to say lost them, but they went two and 10 last year. They were ranked yeah. to start the season. And we yeah. had 10. Like, come on. That's bad. Uh, all right. So let's, let's, then another tier. Uh, if you barely make a bowl game, that would be awesome. There are some <laughs> programs that feel that way. Um, Northwestern's got to be one of them. Now, that same Wildcat team coming off a huge win in Dublin, Ireland, uh, over Nebraska. Their over win over uh, win loss was four four wins, They're fourth of the way there. How do you feel about that? I am I'm just upset with myself. Like I, we didn't even make it to week one. Like literally did not even make it to week one. We didn't even make it through week zero. And everything I said about Nebraska in the preseason makes me feel extremely stupid. Mm. Um, I can't believe that Scott Frost kicked that onside kick. Like it, it, at some point, again, it's 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 not the rest of the world conspiring against you. It's it's you being an idiot. I guess I'll save the Nebraska hate for for when we talk about them. But uh, listen, at the same point in time, credit to <laughs> credit to Northwestern. I mean, I don't think anybody thought they would win this game. And yet they come out and uh, just <laughs> do the Pat Fitzgerald thing where they're just a little bit more prepared, a little bit more figured out. And a lot less boneheaded, and all of a sudden, you know, they're they're coming back to coming back to the states with a dub. Uh, I would say that they probably have a pretty decent chance of hitting the over, or at least pushing if it's four. Um, yeah, sure. they're gonna be still be bad though. Here's my thing: you can beat Nebraska and still be bad. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Doesn't mean you're good just because you did that. I mean, you should be happy. But I, but I'm just saying, like, let's not crown Northwestern as like the oh, Fitz magic is back. You know, no, they're going to contest for the West. I'm just like, yeah, they just beat a, a bad team. 
Like, and that's okay. That's good. But, you know, between them and then Illinois and Rutgers, I think if they make bowl games, they would be really pumped too. I think. Oh yeah. Sitting there at four and a half uh, wins as, as their goal. So they're right there with them. I'm excited to see Bird again. It'll feel good. You know, you see him out there in his bright yellow, or bright see? orange, like tarp uh, that he wears as a shirt. I think that'll be good. Um, they had some super weird wins last year, like the seven overtime, 20 to 18 went over Penn State. Like, I, Which, that's a, that, when I remember that that happened, that's when I'm like, how are, like, yeah, people are still picking Penn State to how finish above taking, Michigan State in, in yeah. anything. How are we taking them seriously? When you do yeah. that shit, how am I like? We do it every off season, though, dude. We yeah. ask college football. Scott Frost will figure it out. Jim or you know James Franklin, you know it'll the ball will bounce his way. Will it? Like why? What it hasn't yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the the well we can we can get to the I'll say Penn State too. I have so many things to say, but um, <laughs> yeah, Illinois, you know. Uh, I, that'd be cool if they made a game. As long as they don't beat us, that's fine. Um, and then, yeah, I think if I had to pick one of these teams that actually will follow through and, and make it to a bowl game, it'll probably be Rutgers in this in this strange way. Um, I, I don't particularly know that they added like this crazy amount of talent this offseason, but I know they got a couple of good wideouts and they added like three or four offensive linemen um, and a defensive end from Texas A&M. So, they tried to get uh, a lot of talent in there. I think it'll be very interesting to see who ends up being their starter because um, they have a kid who was a former uh, right. four-star recruit in Gavin Wimsett, who is like a real like dual threat, can really make stuff happen when, when things break down and it's Rutgers, so things are going to break down. Um, so I, I'll be interested. If he's playing, you know, you kind of have to be a – I think they might be a bit of a sleeper. And at four and a half, I kind of like that. kind of like that over. Yeah. I mean, that's just like go find the – Four, five, go find the five wins is where it gets tough when you're in the big well, Yeah. Um, and let's keep moving. If you barely make a bowl game, this is the tier called, if you barely make a bowl game, that would be terrible. And it's Nebraska, who is already uh, looking up at the barrel. They were a seven and a half uh, wins was their total. What what inspires confidence that they could get on the right side of seven and a half? I mean, nothing, dude. Like, uh, honestly, the only thing that would inspire confidence is if, is if somehow the Fitz magic thing were real again. If Northwestern goes on a tear and ends up being good and whatever, then you look back and you it won't it won't seem as damning as it seems today. But whew, man, sitting here today, it is boy, it is it is it's, it is ugly. It's tough because you you can't you know last you could you could scrub off last year and be like we just had a bunch of bad luck. But now, no matter what, if you're in another close game, which Nebraska will be considering their talent level and the teams that they will play in the Big Ten West, they're going to get in another close game. And one team will be thinking they're going to blow it. And Nebraska will be thinking we're going to blow it. And you, it's hard to bounce back from that. So. Yeah, and it's um, – I, I think the clock officially started ticking for Scott Frost. I, I really do. Like I, I it was probably, I mean, coming into the season, I can't necessarily say I'd blame anybody for feeling any particular way about him. But like, uh, I, I, I of course was saying, you know, ah, like, you know, 
let's, I think he's got a pretty talented team. Let's see how he does. Yada, yada, yada. But then I mean, he just comes out and just immediately lays just the biggest egg. And, you know, um, it's, it's, unless he gets some signature wins this year, it's going to, I think it's gonna be tough for him to survive the season. I mean, I really, not to overreact to one loss, but that's, that is, that is bad because I mean, I read something that if he were to win, I think it was 50 straight games, he still wouldn't have as good a, uh, a career winning percentage as Bo Pelini. Something that's insane like that. The guy that ran out of town for winning nine games every year. That's unacceptable. It is. That is really the perfect word for it. It's just completely unacceptable. So I, I don't know, man. I think they're all starting to look themselves in the mirror and be like, you know, I don't know what we do from here necessarily, but I don't know. I mean, this guy has just let us down at every single, every single step. This is, by the way, this is the, when you do the nuclear option, like Michigan did, like, Nebraska did. This is the other side of that coin. Like when you go for the alum, who's the hot name, who was everybody's favorite son, all that stuff. Like when it goes bad, this is what this is what it looks like. Hey, I have a question for you. How you remember Tom Osborne? Sure do. Okay. How many years when he was the coach there? How many years do you think he was the coach at Nebraska? Oh, like forever. Wasn't it like? 25 years or something like that? Yeah, 25 years. In 25 years, he lost 49 games. Nebraska has lost 49 games since the 2015 season. Tom Arsburn lost so 49 total games in 25 years. Less than two a year. And in the last six seasons, plus this game, they have matched that loss total. I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't imagine. Tom Osborne, while very much alive, didn't die for that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Here's one. Uh, here's the tier is called, your goal was to get to Wisconsin and Iowa's level. Now what? Minnesota and Purdue are sitting there together. I think they've elevated themselves to near or at the competition level of, you know, what was the standard in the Big Ten West with Wisconsin and Iowa and consistency anyway. You know, Northwestern certainly won two of the last four years, but it's been very volatile. Where do they go from here? You know, Minnesota and Purdue, is there more ceiling to break through with their program? I think they still don't know. And I think that's exciting is something we're going through as well. Yeah, I think. You're looking at two teams with, like, both with returning quarterbacks, but one team's probably pretty excited and one team's probably not that excited. Um, Minnesota brings back Tanner Morgan for, like, his eighth year in Minnesota. And and I I think the problem with a guy like that, you know, you love bringing – you love that you have consistency coming back and all of that. But I think when you talk about a limit as a program – it's kind of like how far can can your quarterback take you, right, at a certain point. And I, I, I don't know what the answer is with Tanner Morgan. I think we may have may have seen it, unfortunately. Um, well, then they won 11 games at one time with that. So, you know, that was 2019. They also get Mo even. 2022, though. That's I know. That's the only problem. It's true. They do get the best potential best running back in the entire conference, Mo Ibrahim, back. If he is healthy – you know, no, he got hurt in game one of last year against Ohio State. Yep. And that was, I mean, one of five running backs that got hurt from Minnesota, which is just insane. 
you got to feel like yeah, that is crazy. I don't want to say you throw out last season, but if Mo Ibrahim, you know, is even healthy for half of those games, you got to start to feel like, man, do they not maybe lose a couple of those dumb ones? I, I, maybe you can make that case. Yeah, true. I mean, listen, uh, you know, they've recruited fairly well. They got a decent amount of transfers in this year, which is interesting, too, especially along the offensive line. That could be interesting. Um, they play in the easier division. So none of these things, it's not off the table that they could be a, a decent team. But I, I don't know. Minnesota, for me, is always one of those I believe it when I see it. Whereas Purdue mm-hmm. lost arguably the better player of the two in David Bell. But bring back Aiden O'Connell. And maybe even more important than Aiden O'Connell, they just they have a game. You know what I mean? They know how they like to play. They play that way. And it's you, you're going to beat teams you shouldn't and lose to teams you shouldn't. But um, I don't know. I'm more apt to believe in Purdue than I am in, in Minnesota. But, yeah, it's kind of like they're both at this, you know, both have senior quarterbacks. This kind of has to be the year you're going to make a run if you're actually going to do it. So it's uh, they're both in very, very interesting positions. Yeah, it feels like Purdue is just Maryland, but got in a, into the easier division. And, and that's pretty good. That's pretty good comparison. You just got, you know, you're just coasting off of that. Are you actually any good? I don't know. But no. But but certainly you're you're going to rack up a couple more wins because you don't have to play Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan. So and frankly, the style of play is is uncomfortable for for uh, some of the Big Ten West teams. So whereas Minnesota, they want to, they literally want to beat you over the head with a rock and and. And I just look at last year's team. We'll get to our predictions, but Minnesota went nine and four and lost to Bowling Green at home. Like, like there's that's a ten win team if Mo Ibrahim's playing in my head. Do they win any of the other games? I don't know. Not Ohio State, but home against Illinois where they lost fourteen to six, or at Iowa where they lost twenty seven to twenty two. I mean, they're right there. They beat Wisconsin. You know, I don't know. Just food for thought. Um, speaking of ceilings on programs we're calling this tier we're happy with our program ceiling and that's wisconsin and iowa iowa uh seven and a half win total and uh wisconsin with eight and a half um what do you got here uh i'm hammering hammering the under on iowa (laughs) i believe that the uh, the iowa team that we saw a year ago is how do I say this? Um, this in the second half is the Iowa team that we will see permanently this year. I just don't think it's a it's a great team. Like they're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to run the ball as hard as they can. But this team, I think, currently has, if I'm reading it correctly, six scholarship wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, Spencer Petrus, I don't think we saw do anything that's like terribly exciting. They got a really good freshman in Xavier Nkwampa. Nkwampa? I'm going to screw that up all the year. Uh, they bring back Riley Moss, you know, Jack Campbell on defense. So they'll be fine. But this feels like to me last year was like that, you know what I mean? Like half frisky fun Iowa I I don't think I see frisky Iowa this year I just I just don't I'm not buying it Wisconsin on the other hand you feel like I actually kind of feel the same way about Wisconsin but I trust Wisconsin's uh like residue Saeed Khalif talent more than I trust Iowa's 
talent. Also, Brian Ferentz is still the offensive coordinator, so I'm not going to, you know, give him too much confidence. Yeah, I think you have to ask your defense to to win you nearly every game where where Big Ten game. There just aren't mm-hmm. going to be too many situations where you're going to be where Iowa is going to have the better offense than the defensive unit they're facing. And so, you know, Iowa's defense is absolutely loaded. Maybe one of the best they've ever had. But if you as as a program who has had elite defenses and offenses that just hand the ball back or just are that we've asked to go from awful to bad, that's what they're experiencing. You will look yeah. very Michigan State 2018-2019 years from these guys. I, I think it's going to suck. Uh, <laughs> if we're going to shoot you straight, Iowa fans, it's going to be a – I think it's going to be a painfully Iowa season is really the best way to put it. In Wisconsin, you know, they – we feel a little bit better about their talent level. They seem to have found their next running back uh, in Brayland Green. Yes. And – they found their groove towards the end of last season, got back to where they were. So I think by default, the favorite in the big 10 West, but by Vegas standards feeling like they could go nine and three in the big 10 West and win it. And no one's going to actually feel like they're a, a, a team worth uh, that's notable on a national scale anyway. Yeah, I agree. They'll be the most harmless nine and three team. I think this is the one where, you know, if you want to circle, there's a handful of games you go through MSU circle, MSU schedule. You could circle and be like, "This is a big time judgment game." Uh, Wisconsin, to me, even though it's seven games into the season, is is a big test because it's coming off of what again, shoot you straight, will probably be a loss against Ohio State, uh, and it's before a bye week where you are looking ahead to Michigan. Um, Wisconsin is the type of team that can come to you and bully ball you on any any site. So um, this this to me is, you know, I think you're going to have to answer the bell in that game. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see if Michigan State can do so. So so one thing to consider uh, as we talk, we're going to jump into the Michigan State tier. Unsure of their program ceiling. Michigan State, this is their tier, seven and a half. We talked about that a bit. I think one thing to consider is last year, uh, MSU went with this, the Big Ten West crossovers were uh, at Northwestern, rock fight team, uh, yep. Nebraska, agent of chaos team, and Purdue, a more competent uh, agent of chaos team. They're, they're, those are, you're avoiding the Big Ten West team by singular, basically, that wants to throw the ball, our biggest weakness. You're going to play Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, and who, and Illinois, who we all know want to run the ball. They have quarterbacks that are at best, at best mid. And, mm-hmm. and they're going to have no, and relying on their quarterback to beat Michigan State is something that Michigan State is going to invite them to do like they did last year to every team yep. they played. And they played a lot of quarterbacks that were much better than those guys and, and that couldn't do it. So I think the whole my point here is you get to play um, your strength on defense uh, against the crossovers. And while Minnesota and Wisconsin and Illinois are maybe better teams overall than the Northwestern, Nebraska, Purdue lineup last year, scheme wise, you got to feel a little more confident 
and with those uh, matchups. Just food for thought. I, I would, I would agree. It plays into Michigan State's hands a little bit better. Um, I don't think there's really any any arguing that, and that kind of speaks back to what we were talking about before. Like, I, I don't. It's, don't get ahead of yourself writing off the potential of this team. So, so let's jump to, you know, if we're unsure about our program ceiling, here are the programs that are very pissed off about their program ceiling, Michigan and Penn state. And we saw it uh, firsthand uh, last year. And then, I, and then Penn state still trying to figure out what they're doing with James Franklin at the helm, uh, Michigan with a nine and a half uh, wins and Penn State eight and a half both feel, I don't want to say easy, but they just, there's so much talent. The only thing that'll make you second guess on those two for me is James, is, is James Franklin going to outthink himself for another season in a row to, to get him under eight and a half. Michigan, I feel pretty good about the over. Yeah, I think Michigan's an easy over personally um, because their schedule is, once again, the uh, credit to Michigan for being so brave uh, in their scheduling, especially in the non-conference. I mean, you know, powerhouses like Hawaii don't, uh, don't often travel all the way to the Midwest. Uh, so, you know, credit to them. Um, Penn state, they're probably pissed about the ceiling. I, I think this, one of the reasons they're frustrated again, we keep talking about quarterbacks, but, um, you know, this is Sean Clifford's like ninth year in the big 10. And I think we've seen what he can do. He's not terrible, but he's not, what you need to be an actual like big 10 championship uh, competitor. Um, now they have a true freshman in drew Aller, who is a five-star unanimous uh, that might be their guy that to reach that ceiling. Cause you need a quarterback that's competing at nearly that, that can perform like a high four five-star type of guy uh, in order to really be in that conversation. And Aller from all, all reports is one of those. So, um, maybe there's a little bit of looking ahead and uh, getting frustrated with Clifford. So I don't know that anyone's like going to be calling for his job or anything like that, unless he's really atrocious, but I don't see that, that well, happening. So I'm with you, but they're also just tired of like this. They know what they're going to get. There's no national yep. championship contention, man. It's just not there. And the, no, what that's going for him is he just had the best recruiting class, you know, that he's pulled maybe yet. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that that is the hope right now. That's not going to translate this year, but they do have some nice pieces. Don't get me wrong. They're so stacked. It's just like you're not doing anything with it, though. You're not right. competing at the level you should, considering the amount of talent that you've been able to stack. And um, that's got to be really frustrating. You know? Yeah, it's like it's empty calories. Yeah, it is. Um, that's I would I would agree. Uh, and because I don't look at this roster again, it's a very talented roster, uh, you know, probably one of the 15, 20 best rosters in college football. But when you think about what they're trying to get to, it's the level of Ohio state, which is one of only three good teams in the right. whole country. And they're just not really within shouting distance of that uh, until you get a quarterback that can do some of the things that CJ Stroud can do. So, um, and then on Michigan side, it's, you know, it is always fun to watch them like sort of like self, you know, implode. Uh, like the way that Jim Harbaugh is handling this biblical quarterback, contra- you know, quote unquote controversy to me is 
is awesome. As a competitor of that team, it's like the best possible way that somebody could handle which quarterback am I going to start is to just upset everybody instead <laughs> of picking a side and only upsetting somebody. Um, and then that's what he's doing. And you just have to wonder, like, dude, what you saw this not work last year. I mean, it cost you. Every, I mean, first of all, you saw Cade McNamara's limits as a passer. And I think that he is going to be good enough to win you a lot of games and not good enough to win you the big games. Save, please save me the Ohio State discussion. Just save it. Um, whereas J.J. McCarthy, I'm not saying he's definitely better, but this kid came in as a five-star recruit and, you know, you've got all the talent in the world yeah. there. Yeah. He's recruited by everybody. So it's like who, who – and instead of just committing to one or the other, you're you're just not committing to either. And all it's going to do is just upset people and probably backfire. Like it's hard for me to envision it working. Well, this is like in the office when Michael Scott's like doing – trying to manage the situation. He's like, all right, we got win-win, win-lose – I choose and lose lose. Um, I'm going with lose lose on this one. <laughs> like, yeah. Why? What are we doing? Do you know what? Good on him. I appreciate. Uh, he always makes things entertaining, at least in in, in Arab. So, amen um, to that. And then in our final tier, probably will not be humiliated by Alabama. That's your Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, who have a ten and a half win total. I feel pretty confident about going over on that one, considering they almost wanted to put it at 11 and a half, but that's almost inconceivable. So um, how do we feel about Ohio State? Are there any they lost to Michigan last year? We know you know how to beat them because you're not going to outskill them. You're not going to outathlete them. And the only way to do them is to punch them in the mouth repeatedly. Uh, You're not going to take them by surprise doing that this year. Can Michigan repeat that? Can Penn State or Michigan State, can anyone uh, keep up? Uh, on paper, no. Uh, on paper, it really shouldn't be. I mean, if, let's just go back a year. Like, if you go back a year and look at Ohio State a year ago, you, you had plenty of questions that were justified. You were breaking in a new quarterback. You were breaking in a new running back. Had a lot of questions on the defense. Um, and you could probably be like, oh man, maybe they're vulnerable. Those those questions don't exist this year. Like, yes, Garrett Wilson's gone. Um, yes, Chris Olave's gone. But this team is so ridiculously stacked that okay. To go back to those scout grades real quick, or those those twenty four seven grades, the worst receiver they have, and they have ten, is a zero point nine four. That is a top like 70 player in any class, like, like minimum, like probably higher than that. Honestly, uh, that's their worst receiver. Their worst one, 10th out of 10. Uh, and at the top, you've got Jackson Smith and Jigba, who we saw go ballistic in the Rose bowl last year, Marvin Harrison jr. Who is the son of Marvin Harrison. And we saw a huge games last year, Julian Fleming, Cameron Babb, Emeka Egbuka, like, the list goes on and on and on. You've still got Travian Henderson. You've still got running backs behind him that are good. And you have a great offensive line. The offense should be able to score with anybody. I think if you're going to say, okay, maybe this is where people can can come and get him, 
It's on defense because Michigan just ran the ball down their throats. And it worked. We saw teams do it to them all season. I don't think you're going to catch them getting beat like that again. Uh, They hired the defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State who took a lot less talent than he's going to have here and made it into one of the best defensive units, if not the best, in the country last year. Um, On top of that, he went and got his best defensive back, Tanner McAllister, and brought him over to Ohio State and got a loaded front line. Um, I I don't think you're you're going to be able to do to them what was done to them last year. Um, I don't see anybody in the Big Ten being able to beat them personally, uh, Michigan included. Again, all all credit in the world to Michigan. They 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 exercised a lot of demons and they won last year. You got to go to Ohio State this year. And if you think you were pissed off about losing to them for however many years in a row, imagine how pissed off they're going to be that they ended up actually losing to you once. Yeah. Like it, it, as long as it, it I, and, and again, I don't want to be the conditions guy, but you can't watch that game and pretend like snow doesn't help a running game and hurt a passing game. So if you get those same conditions, who knows? It's uh, it's anybody's guess, but I've, uh, I've got a feeling Ohio state's going to have that date circled. And quite honestly, the team that has the best chance to beat them might be whoever they play the week before. Uh, so Good luck to, to all of them. But no, this is this is a team that it would be a, a monumental uh, upset if they didn't make the playoffs. That's right. So with that, should we take a commercial break and jump in uh, to last week's results? I think we should. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Then we're back. John, let's whip through some uh, national games here. We'll go quickly. Only one that I really want to call out non-Big Ten related. Vanderbilt beat Hawaii 63 to 10. People forget that Hawaii almost didn't have a program this year. And also, I want to just call out Vanderbilt went to Hawaii like two weeks early and just like chilled and practiced for a couple weeks. That's how you do away games in college football. You make it Amen. a big vacation in Hawaii and then go beat the brakes off someone. So they are smart in uh, Nashville. We know that. Uh, congrats to Vandy on that move. Yeah, that's probably the smartest thing and best thing Vandy will do all season because, uh, yeah, you still have to go play in the SEC, which will be less fun. It can be a super big bummer. Uh, we talked <laughs> about – let's go to the Big Ten. We talked about uh, the Northwestern and Nebraska game already. Um, Scott Frost still has a job. We'll see how many more weeks that lasts. Illinois, a very convincing win versus Wyoming. Um, for the box score interest for me was that uh, Wyoming went five for 20, passing for 30 yards. Mm. That, that's tough, tough, man. And then where art thou, Josh Allen? <laughs> seriously, how did Josh Allen go there? And then also, Illinois with a fairly balanced attack, 260 rushing yards and 217 passing yards. I don't know if uh, Illinois is going to be passing that much in the future, but um, if you're an Illinois fan, you got to feel really good coming out of the gate. 
It wins a win, baby. Especially yeah. if you're Illinois, you can't be just wishing away or, or thinking anything less of a dub in any way that you can get it. So yes, I fully agree. All right. So some upcoming national games and we'll preview the big 10 um, Thursday. We got four or excuse me, three straight days of college football. I believe Thursday, Friday, Saturday, this Labor Day mm. weekend uh, to start on Thursday. We got central Michigan at Oklahoma state. If you forgot central Michigan won last time in Stillwater, and one of the most incredible plays that I think yeah. people forgot. And if, if you haven't seen it, go back and, and watch the tape. It was an untimed play, Hail Mary, that a guy caught and then threw it backwards, batted it backwards before he got brought down on about the 10-yard line. And it was a sprint across the field uh, for a touchdown with no time left. They went nuts in Stillwater. They, like, wanted to, like – they wanted – people fired like they and i just can only hope we can have something similar this time around yeah i mean mike mike gundy certainly not a hothead uh <laughs> can't imagine he would uh be upset if this happened again yeah i remember wasn't that a year where they like would have made the big 12 championship or like would have won the conference or something yeah yes it was i mean was, that sucks it was significant that would be so mad it was significant um also thursday night uh the brawl, West Virginia at uh, Pittsburgh, Pitt, seven and a half point favorite in the backyard brawl. These are two very mid teams. Um, it's, you're going to get some very mid football and, and you're just going to enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, Pitt, I'm excited to watch them play because they've just been very pissy pants this entire offseason between what Narduzzi had to say about Michigan State and what they're all saying about Jordan Addison. Like, mm-hmm. you know. I think uh, it'll be fun to hopefully watch them lose. I'm not going to lie. I would, I would enjoy it if they if they lost so they could just stop complaining, like just shut up and stop complaining. You know who the quarterback for West Virginia is? It's uh, it's uh, the old Georgia and USC quarterback. We've got a USC quarterback off, as a that's matter of fact. That's right. It's it's a, US, it's a Trojan um, JT Daniels. It's right. JT Daniels versus Slovis. Um, two – Two guys that were on mock draft first round picks two years ahead of schedule and then both had to transfer because they didn't win the job. So and and now both are playing in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Some mid teams. So uh, that sucks for them. Uh, so we'll get to the Friday of Saturday morning. This is a tricky one. An Oak game alert for you. NC State uh, plucky favorite for college football playoff um, folks. At Eastern Carolina, uh, don't mm. overlook uh, that game. As I think that's that could be fun. I mean, East Carolina, if nothing else, will wear uh, awesome uniforms, I'm True. sure, because they always do. Um, yeah, it, it, NC State, man. Yeah, you just don't know. They're one you you got to see it to believe it. But, uh-huh. um, this would be a very NC State game to lose. Exactly. Uh, some massive games to start the, the season. Uh, we're so lucky. Oregon, number 11, plays uh, Georgia in technically a neutral site game, but it'll be in Atlanta, so not really. Um, yeah, you shouldn't co- be allowed to call that neutral. No, but I will note that this is crazy to me. Two top 10 teams are playing, and Georgia is a 17.5-point favorite uh, to, out of the gate. I think it's 17 now. You're a three-score favorite against a top 10 team. That's why Austin has said Georgia might be good. Georgia's good. I think this. the other thing you have to remember is that Bo Nix remains the yep. Oregon quarterback. 
Yeah, listen, George is very familiar with Bo Nix, and I don't think he's re- they've really been troubled by him in the past, unless I'm misremembering. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think I'll probably bet Georgia to cover <laughs> because they're just very good. Uh, keeping it moving, another big game, a little uh, under the radar, but awesome. Number 23, Cincinnati at number 19, Arkansas. For me, this is a who's for real. You know, who yeah. is Cincinnati, you know, a, a, a playoff contender team, or is that just a, you know, a blip? And is Arkansas really taking that next jump? Because you don't lose to teams like a group of five teams, even if they're a playoff team last year. If you're for real, you don't lose this game at home. So I think that's yeah, a I think there's a lot more. There's way more on the line for Arkansas than is for Cincinnati. Because like, there's there's no harm, no foul if you're Cincinnati and you lose this game. Mm-hmm. Like, you lost Desmond Ritter. You know, you, you still made the playoff last year. So I, I think people can can easily excuse that road game SEC first game of the season. You know, again, I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, leniency there. I, I don't think that exists with Arkansas. I mean, you saw them take a big step forward last year. I think they're probably some people's sexy pick to jump up and surprise again in the SEC this year. But a um, lot more on the line, a lot more pressure on Arkansas. I, although I would still probably expect them, uh, still expect them to win. I think you're right. Um, and then Utah, another trendy uh, playoff pick at Florida to start. Utah, a, f- a favorite here, but we'll find out really quickly if Utah is a playoff contender or not, because Florida is not the Florida that you made your older brother's Florida. They're certainly good, but going to the swamp is a tall order for, for anybody. Yeah, I think this. I could see one of two things happening here. Uh, either Florida's just not good again, um, which is, you know, maybe the likely outcome. Uh, or this is the Anthony Richardson uh, official launch party. Uh, because if if you don't know his name now, you will know it soon. This kid mm-hmm. plays for Florida. He He is the reason that their senior quarterback transferred to Arizona State, Emory Jones, who started, I think, uh, every game for them last year, uh, he, he basically ran him out of town. This kid is a, an absolute freak. He is uh, everything about him is next level special size, arm strength, speed. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he is a tailor made Heisman candidate. You know, if if he's the one, if if Florida's any good, uh, so I. This could either be his major coming out party, him and Billy Napier, or this is just a a sign of. You know, it's just an opportunity for a, a team that maybe is a little bit more disciplined and, and kind of been there, done that to, to go in and win. And that's that's what Utah would be. So I think it's a really interesting combination because because Florida is definitely more talented. Like I, it's even say what you want about, you know, uh, Mullins recruiting. There's some studs on this roster because not, you know, not great recruiting classes in the SEC are still like top 20 in the country. So the the level of talent, there's going to be a significant disparity. But Utah, I think, you know, Kyle Winningham done such a good job. They've been there. They've done that. They beat good teams last year. Um, but but going to the Swamp's a different thing. And that that first-year head coach energy um, can be a real thing, too. So yeah. I, I personally, I think I'd probably pick Utah. But Florida winning would be – Florida winning by, by, like, 10 wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a fun one either way. Clash of cultures potentially as well. Uh, so, just a little bit. 
So let's jump to and one quick Bo Nix now. 0-3 against Georgia, uh, 56% uh, career passing yards against Georgia. Yeah. One touchdown and, and I believe two picks. So he's not exactly tearing it up in three games. Let's, yeah. let's go Thank to Georgia. Let's go to the Big Ten quickly. Thursday night, you got jumping out of the gate. Uh, Penn State at Purdue. Here's my question. Who do you trust less? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, uh, this is such a trap game for Penn State. Like, it's, it is maybe the worst possible week one game that you could have as a team like Penn State coming off of, like, not a great year. Because yep. um, I don't think it, it's it's certainly not that like Purdue's this mega talented team because they're not. But like like we said before, they've got a style and they play it and they play it well. Uh, and so and it's a it's a tough style, man. When they're going, it's a tough style. So this is I, I have to take Penn State just because they are so much more talented. But boy, it is uh, this is as as rough a first draw as you can get as a big, big 10 team. Can, can I, I'm going to go on a limb. I think Penn State, I think they're going to beat the brakes off Purdue. Hey, there we go. I don't know. I mean, like, why should I trust James Franklin? I don't know. I'm going to learn my, Scott, I'm going to tr- learn my Scott Frost lesson that you didn't learn um, oh. in this offseason. But like, for me, I don't know. It's like Purdue until there for me, but until you, I mean, at least Penn State, has the talent for me, Purdue. They also lost their, uh, was it a first round pick in George Car- uh, Yeah, Karloftis. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's not a small thing. Um, no. Penn State is as good as their offensive line is, and which is bad. But I don't know if Purdue is, is, is like tearing it up on the defensive line. Who knows? Um, New Mexico State at Minnesota. Um, Oh boy, this one's for the sickos. Minnesota <laughs> is a 36 and a half point favorite. I wonder how much Tanner Morgan throws the ball in this game. Probably not a ton. Uh, I'd like. I would think this is the Mo Ibrahim gets 15 carries and takes a seat. Yeah. And they just hope the rest take care of, takes care of itself. Game. Basically, Tanner Morgan's throwing a lot. Things have gone horribly sideways for Minnesota. And 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 if that happens, we might need to start that PJ Fleck counter. Or, or do you just let him try and get better? <laughs> like, please improve. Here's an opportunity. Tanner Morgan? Yeah. I mean, he's like 24. <laughs> I think the opportunity to let him get better passed like three years ago. You're just rolling with what, like, he's been PJ Flex only quarterback, right? It's true. Yeah, I think so. That's, yeah, so. Uh, this game is fun for sickos as well. Illinois at Indiana. Indiana's a three-point mm. favorite. This is a bar- uh, barometer game for me. For both programs, you know who who is worse is kind of my stance. And you know what? I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I, like, I'm personally hoping Illinois <laughs> figures it out and is fun. Like, I don't know why. Like, it just seems like sure. more fun to have Illinois be the stupid like, how the hell did they win six games team? Um, then we 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 Indiana had their shot. It's true. They, we're, we're, we're done. We're, we're not here. On. Yeah, we're moving on. Saturday morning, Colorado State at Michigan. Sleepy game. Michigan, 27 and a half point favorite. I think they cover fairly easily. Yeah, by, yeah extremely easily, in my opinion. Um, South Dakota State at Iowa. Uh, a plucky South Dakota State. Um, 
here's my here's here's a betting thing for me with Iowa. I might bet the under with them every year, or excuse me, every game. This entire their offense is so bad and their defense is so good. I don't care if it's like thirty. I might still take the under. I think it's better to play it now. I think that's a good idea early in the season, especially. This game feels like a five twelve March Madness matchup, oh, doesn't it? It does, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah, and I think we could see anything uh that level of stupid happen too. You're probably right about Iowa's defense. Like they are um they're so good that they'll probably keep the total stupidness from happening to this team. But like you said, we've seen the other side of that coin with Michigan State a few times. So Iowa should surprise, you know, yeah, listen, once again, for the sickos, if you want to watch some just tremendously college football, <laughs> just watch Iowa this year because you're going to you're going to see every part of it. Uh, Buffalo at Maryland. This one, uh, Maryland, 23 and a half point favorite. This one feels like Maryland's going to drop 60. They're just going to yeah. go berserk and you know we might start talking about how are they what could they upset a team in the big tennies to what you know and we're going to get all that talk yeah i I agree but that's maryland right like Uh it's it's early season maryland is bound to do something like that it's it's for sure and then they'll get like a couple votes and people be like well uh-huh. Watch out for a team and then they'll lose the dumbest game they could possibly lose in in spectacular fashion i'm sure Rutgers at Boston College. You can only watch this one on the ACC network. Folks, this is as mid of a mid-off as you can get. Um, Boston College is a seven-point favorite, I guess. Like, I don't know how many people are going to watch this game. I don't even know. I would like Rutgers to win, but I don't know if they have it in them. East Coast football, baby. (laughs) North Uh... Coast football. Yeah, I just don't think anybody cares. Um, <laughs> Phil Jerkovich is supposed to be good. Notre Dame transfer, Boston College quarterback. Sure. That's probably the thing you want to look out for. And that's all I've got. <laughs> Nebraska has to bounce back. Uh, playing North Dakota at home, uh, you'd, you'd think that they should be able to take care of business here. You would think that, wouldn't you? Um, and I would expect that. Uh, but listen, man, Scott Frost needs to go win this game by a hundred. So if there is whatever the over under is here, I'd probably just, I'll probably hammer the over because he is going to be so roid raged after that week last week. Um, I can't imagine how terrible practice must be this week. And these Nebraska players are just going to want to kill North Dakota. Okay. So here's, we'll do this throughout the rest of the season. Could Scott Frost lose his job after this game? The answer is yes. If they oh, lost, without question, he could lose his job. Um, th- so we'll see how long that lasts. Illinois State at Wisconsin, gone. And then the game of the week, number five, Notre Dame at number two, Ohio State. Remember I said it was crazy that as a three possession uh, favorite in a top 10 matchup, Georgia over Oregon. Ohio State is a three possession favorite over a top five team in Notre Dame. First career start for the Notre Dame Irish quarterback in the horseshoe. Good luck, buddy. Yeah, fun, pal. Uh, that's Tyler Buckner. He's got some experience, but uh, I, listen, oh. I went to that game, that fateful game last year, and I don't know how anybody's ever won there. Like, truly, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. It'll never make sense to me. 
Notre Dame up and down the roster is honestly good enough to hang with Ohio State, but the one place where you don't have experience and you're walking into a literal like I don't even know like a a death pit. The place, the position you don't want to have an experience at is quarterback, and that's the only place that they have it across this whole roster. So, yeah, uh, might get ugly. I don't think the spread is crazy. Um, I really think that Ohio State's on a mission this year, man. I, it, as insane as it sounds, a two-loss season uh, is a huge letdown for them, and I think they're going to come out and look to send a serious message in this first game. Should we do? And I like Notre Dame. Yeah, I think Notre Dame's going to be good. Think so too. They could still backdoor their way to the uh, playoff if they they run no through question. that. But um, let's do a five minute preview of Western Michigan and send our folks on their way. What do you say? Let's do it. Sorry. Right, so uh, Michigan State a twenty two point f- uh, favorite going in this game over under about a fifty four. Computers say uh, if you combine the averages, about a ninety six percent chance of winning. Western Michigan. It should be noted though. Uh, has Tim Luster as the head coach, and he has finished 500 or better in all five of his seasons there. They won their first bowl game last year. And to his eight wins, two of them um, were against conference champions, one Northern Illinois in the MAC and Pittsburgh, the ACC champ. So yep. not afraid to mix it up with some better teams. They just happened to fall on their face a little bit last year and some other games. Their quarterback, Jack Salapek, Played in two games as a reserve. Their starter last year, he threw about, I think, five total passes. And so they were probably going to have to lean really heavily on their running game. And Sean Tyler and a name you might remember, Ladarius Jefferson, who combined for about 2,000 yards rushing last year. Um, The defense returned seven starters. They finished fourth and fewest points allowed, I believe, in the MAC, and fifth in yards per play allowed. So should be um, a decent MAC defense. They're hoping to build off of that. They did lose, as I mentioned, their quarterback and Sky Moore, who you may uh, see in your fantasy football drafts coming up soon in the NFL. They'll be breaking in some new faces. So that's good timing as Michigan State acclimates themselves. But watch out for Corey Crooms, who is the next great Western Michigan wide receiver. They seem to produce quite a few of them. Last year, he had 44 catches for and 17 and a half yards per catch. He should uh, likely finish, I would say, uh, all conference. And keep in mind that versus Pitt, he had a blowout or a uh, massive glow up game, eight catches, 161 yards and a touchdown. And that was at Pitt. So what does Michigan State need to do to win, Austin? Well, first, real quick, why your program stinks, Western Michigan. We Mm -hmm. took your wide receiver and made him an All-American. So, um, yeah, that stinks. Jaden Reed. Sorry. Um, Take Corey Cruz. Who knows? Yeah, sure. Why not? what does Michigan State need to do? I think they just need to play their game. Um, this is kind of, I think, the perfect opener for a season like this with MSU because you're breaking in new faces. Uh, it's against a team you should definitely handle and beat, but that has enough talent to, to make you think a little bit uh, and make you do some things maybe that you you need to work on. Like you said, they, they're going to be able to – they're going to try and run the ball. So uh, my eyes will be on Michigan State's – run defense um, and really just defense in general, like see in more than anything, kind of seeing where these new faces fit and how they're deployed. Like we've said, the front front can either be a front six or seven kind of depending um, seeing how that all works out is, is going to be fascinating. And then like, obviously I, I, you know, 
your, your eyes are always going to be on the pass defense, especially early in this season. I don't expect Western to come out and sling the ball all over the place. Um, however, their offensive coordinator is Jeff Thorne, Peyton Thorne's dad. Uh, so he probably has a little better knowledge of this team than uh, the average offensive coordinator. I don't know how big of a difference it makes, but it's not nothing. Um, so you'd like to see MSU's pass defense, you know, uh, act like they're going to take a step forward offensively. Uh, all eyes for me will be on the offensive line. I, I you know, you, you want to said it before that, but the, the two running backs they brought in to replace Walker, uh, are certainly talented enough to do it, but you want to see it with your eyes that it wasn't just the Kenneth Walker magic show, uh, at, that the offensive scheme and line had, had something to do with it. So, um, definitely going to keep an eye on, on that line up front because if they struggle in this game, you know, it, it might get, the season might get long quick. Um, aside from all of that, I am interested to see who uh, comes in to relieve Peyton Thorne late in the game, assuming things are, are in control, which might be an aggressive assumption. Will it be Caden Hauser? Will it be Noah Kim? Uh, doesn't seem like it'll be Hamp Fay. So the, the order of rotation there and in all the other positions, I think these early games are always an interesting indicator of who had good fall practices. So uh, honestly, great way to start. Love that Michigan State's still doing the Friday night thing. And uh, yeah, looking forward to hopefully starting this season 1-0. Only thing they can't do is press. You know, if things don't go your way, you know, you just get a bad bounce or things go in the wrong direction. You can't look up and say, oh, my gosh, we should be winning right now and, and force and push and do things that are, you know, maybe outside of what was the script. So you'll yep. win. You'll win just being better than them. And if you don't force it and try and do anything crazy, um, it'll it should work out in the end. So um, yeah, so that's all we got for this preview. We'll go a lot more in depth, especially as we start to see um, other teams play and and uh, Michigan State uh, get some reps in, and, and we're looking forward to the season. Absolutely. All right, guys, John, I think this does it for this episode. Uh, to all of you, good luck this season. For John, this has been Austin. We'll catch you next time. See you.